Go a little further on in verse 11. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Greater. What am I trying to get at? What what, what do these stories, these perspectives have anything to do with a struggling faith? This is my point. Even the greatest doubt. Even the greatest doubt. The greatest go through depression and anxiety and despair and self-doubt. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Hello, everybody. I actually don't have a Bible up here with me. I have a book titled, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. But I won't be preaching from it. I will be reading something from a preface in a moment. But I just want to take it all, take it all in here for, for a second. It's good to, to see all of you. Um, and just want to share a little bit about my impression walking into to the building. Um, I have some architectural sensibilities, and it's just what a privilege to be able to be in a building with with a contemporary design like this. And uh, you guys have the little coffee shop up there. I have to say that I was most intimidated finding the green room and walking in and seeing the way that everything is done. Uh, in comparison to the way that we do things at the Spanish uh, district in Corona, I was thinking about, well, we kind of have a a green room too. We meet in the potluck room. (laughs) And uh, there's a a little elder that that waits for us and will give us instruction, prays over us, and then reminds us. And interestingly, after years, I still seem to forget where I'm supposed to stand. And I ask him, wait, do I go in my second or third and, uh, you know, we, we struggle a little bit to, to, get, to pull things together and get out to the platform. And, uh, but we're, we're, we're getting things done. I'm so glad to be with you today. Actually, I'm going to be speaking about uh, struggling faith. And, and as I was thinking about that, uh, just some definitions here. Faith, right? Uh, simply put, when I talk about faith, I'm going to say that, I, that that's trust. Right? Uh, faith is the trust that we put in others, but struggle. What what is this struggle? If you look that that up in in the de- in the dictionary, there's different um, definitions for it. But one of them is th- thriving or, or, or striving to yeah striving to achieve something against restrictions and constraints. Restrictions and Constraints. A couple of months ago, 
my, my son was going through, through very difficult times, and it's, they seemed to be gloomy days. And uh, with, with my wife, we were just trying to help him to process. We regularly go and, and see our counselor. Um, and we also have a child counselor that we go to. And we were talking to her about Levi's struggles. Um, and uh, one of the things that we started to worry about was that he would start to blink, right, and uh, make certain gestures with his face. And we thought, well, maybe it could be a tick or something. And so we looked into it, right? Um, and there, there, there just were, there were one day after another, you know, tantrums. And, and uh, my son, Levi, five years old, is, uh, is just, he's just crying. And everything seems to be challenging for him. And he's constantly anxious, right? Um, come to find out, the, 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 the therapist says, no, it's not, it's not a tick. Um, we end up going to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, maybe he needs to see an eye doctor. So we end up going to see the eye doctor. And they start doing these tests, right? And uh, long story short, find out that Levi is far, far sighted. And he has been for a long time. Now, the thing that you have to know about Levi is that he, he loves to read. He loves school. He asked my wife, Sylvia, can we do class today? Can we do class again? Because he's you know, in, in a hybrid program, homeschooling. And then he also meets uh, with, with the kids in, in downtown uh, Riverside. And, uh, and he also loves to play with Legos. And he can go for hours. And he loves to draw. And he's constantly engaged in, in, in this pursuit of knowledge, right, of, of getting to know the world and his surroundings and learning. But he was struggling. And particularly one thing that moved me was when Sylvia tells me um, he, it was just a drawing that he had to describe, right, in three words, the assignment. He kept saying, it's hard, it's hard, es, es difícil, mama, es difícil, is what he would say. And but we couldn't make sense of that. Well, what's hard? It's just a picture. Just give me three words, right? Is is how we might re and then but Sylvia put it together and said what he was trying to say is and he had given another description is that everything is pushing forward, pushing forward. We didn't understand that. It was his eyesight, right? Um, so finally he, after a couple of weeks, gets his glasses. And everything changes. I mean, he was constantly anxious because of the difficulty of seeing his, I mean, his perspective, right? He was having a, a, a hard time. That's, that's all it was. I want to share a story with you from the Bible and focus on perspectives, on perspectives. If you go with me to Matthew 11, Matthew 11, beginning in verse 1. Uh, when Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his disciples, his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. Now, I take it when Matthew, the evangelist, the, the gospel writer, tells us this, he's, he's inviting the, the imagination to run, inviting us to, to think about Jesus' ministry. Uh, he's not, he doesn't tell us of a particular town. Uh, he says towns in plural, different regions. And so 
you sort of could imagine Jesus you know, doing ministry and preaching and teaching in these, in these different towns. Uh, and so he gives us the, the, the big picture, so, so to say. This is what Jesus is up to, right? This is his, his ministry. But then he narrows down his focus, right? He sort of had zoomed out so you can see Jesus in all of these different towns, God working through the ministry of Jesus, and now he zooms in, right? And, and the, 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 the focus narrows down on John the Baptist, see in verse 2, who was in prison. He heard about all the things the Messiah was doing in town one and two and three, the things that Jesus said that he did. He, John hear, hears about this. But look at what Matthew says. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus. So you can imagine the disciples now arrive to Jesus. And they say the following, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? How do we take these words? How can we describe what is going on here? What request, what request is being made? What is really being asked? What, what the question marks are about here? There's a debate. In, in New Testament scholarship, there's different interpretations of whether or not this is the case. I won't go into that, but I'm just going to say this is the problem in the text, that John the Baptist is in a state of doubt. John the Baptist is in a state of doubt. Let me just briefly share some perspectives. John's perspective, in John's perspective, in chapter 1, Jesus comes out to the Jordan River, and there's this famous radical prophet, right, that is baptizing people, John the Baptist. And we find in chapter 1, verse 29, those beautiful words. John points to Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. John's perspective. John, the disciple John's perspective of John the Baptist's life and ministry. He's about pointing the crowds, the multitude, the people, pointing everybody to, to Jesus, the Messiah. That's John's perspective. In Luke's perspective, if you go to, to Luke chapter 7, you find there is more emphasis in the way that the story is being told, not so much on John or Jesus, but on the disciples of John. So there's some interpreters that suggest that actually the ones who are in doubt are John the Baptist's disciples, right? Because there's Jesus' disciples who are following uh, Jesus, but then there are still some who are John the Baptist's disciples who are no longer following uh, Jesus. And according to, uh, to other scripture, we find that, you know, the whole purpose of John the Baptist's ministry is to decrease in order for Jesus to increase, or as he put it, to point others uh, to Jesus, or quoting the prophet Isaiah, to make way, right, for Messiah. 
And so in Luke's perspective, it seems to be that, that this exchange that is about to, to take place between John and Jesus is about getting John the Baptist's disciples to become disciples of Jesus. But I want to suggest that Matthew's perspective, before we get to John the Baptist's perspective, Matthew's perspective invites us to consider the relationship between, between Jesus and John and to go deeper and to consider the condition and the circumstances that John finds himself in. In verse 4, Jesus told them, the disciples, right? Um, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. So some scholars suggest that the disciples stayed with Jesus for some time uh, so that the following is confirmed or demonstrated, exemplified to them. Like verse 5, this is, these are Jesus' words for John the Baptist. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. There's a scholar that suggests that Jesus leaves out the words from the prophecy that he had come to free those who are captive in order to be sensitive to John's condition, his circumstance. Because, of course, he's in prison. But look at the following words in verse 6. And he added... This is a quotation from the prophets from the Old Testament. These are Jesus' words. God blesses those who are not offended because of me. Or God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. If you consider those words for a moment, it's not far-fetched. It's not difficult to see that Jesus is not speaking to John the Baptist's disciples, that Jesus is speaking to John the Baptist, to his heart. Because John the Baptist, as I said, is in a, is in a state of doubt. He is in danger, if, if you will, of falling away. Before I, I, I continue on a little bit, I, I want to say uh, a couple of things about, about Frederick Nietzsche and why I have this book here uh, with me. Uh, I grew up in, in, in a Spanish Adventist church, and, and the, the Latino-Hispanic community is, is very different than other communities. Um, and, but one of the things that I, that I grew up hearing was, no dudes a Dios, o no lo cuestiones, don't doubt God, don't question him. And another thing that I heard was, nunca leas a, a Nietzsche, don't, don't read Nietzsche. <laughs> Right? And I mean, that makes sense if you pay attention to some of uh, the titles of his books like uh, uh, Beyond Good and Evil or 
Uh, another one, the Antichrist. Um, and if I can think of another one, Esse Homo, which is uh, a title given to, by Pilate to Jesus, behold, the man, how to become what one is. And there's even a chapter uh, that he writes in why I am so wise. And another, why I am, why I am so clever. And of course, there's those famous words uh, the, where he says, God is dead. You may have heard that allegory. But let, let me read a, a, a little description here of him. It might not be so little. It might take a minute here, but there's a, 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 a novelist here who tells a Nietzsche story, and he, sells a, he says the following, look, carefully the myopic man sits down to a table. Carefully the man with a sensitive stomach considers every item on the menu whether the tea is not too strong, the food not spiced too much, for every mistake in his diet upsets his sensitive digestion, and every transgression in his nourishment wrecks havoc with his quivering nerves for days. No glass of wine, no glass of beer, no alcohol, no coffee at his place, no cigar and no cigarette after his meal, nothing that stimulates or refreshes or rests him, only the short, meager meal and a little urban, unprofound conversation in a soft voice with an occasional neighbor. I'm going to jump forward here a little bit more. Uh, and up again into the small, narrow, modest, coldly furnished where his house, where innumerable notes, pages, writings, and proofs are piled up on the table, but no flower, no decoration, scarcely a book and rarely a letter back in a corner, a heavy and graceless wooden trunk, his only possessions. Otherwise, only books and manuscripts, and on a tray, innumerable bottles and jars and potions against the migraines, which often render him all but senseless for hours, against his stomach cramps, against spasmodic vomiting, against the slothful, slothful intestines, and above all, the dreadful sedatives against his insomnia a frightful arsenal of potions and drugs, yet the only helpers in the empty silence of this strange room in which he never rests except in brief and artificially conquered sleep. Wrapped in his overcoat and a woolen scarf, his fingers freezing, his double glasses pressed close to the paper, his hurried hand writes for hours, words the dim eyes can hardly decipher. For hours he sits like this and writes until his eyes burn. Nietzsche was a PK. Did you know that? Uh, Nietzsche grew up, of course, in, 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 uh, in classical uh, uh, Germany. And uh, I mean, in, in the, he had a classical education. And he, had, he even went to seminary and was about to become a pastor. Um, he suffered from migraines. Uh, now some scholars think it was a tumor behind his right eye. And uh, he could hardly see. He was almost blind. I read the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> and he pretty much said this, right? That the best argument against Christianity are Christians. But then he also wrote these, he penned these beautiful lines, the last Christian died 
on the cross. And if you pay attention to his criticisms, he actually almost always admires Jesus, but is critical of Christian dumb. A couple months ago, I had the privilege of, uh, it, I wasn't, he's not my supervisor, but having a, I had a meeting at Peter's College, Oxford, and I sat with Professor Kale and talked about Nietzsche. And then he said the following words, um, of course, Nietzsche was a theist. I thought, wait, what? Huh? Wait a minute. I mean, I've had that sense, but of course I haven't read everything and read enough. But how can that be? Look at verse 7 in Luke. Luke, 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 Luke 11, verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was, was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. And if you go a little further on in verse 11, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Greater Megale. Greater. What, what, what am I trying to get at? What, what, what do these stories, these perspectives have anything to do with a struggling faith? This is my point. Even the greatest doubt. Even the greatest doubt. The greatest go through depression and anxiety and despair and self-doubt, etc. Perspectives. I told you, okay, we considered John's perspective, Luke's perspective, um, Matthew's perspective, but what, if, what about John the Baptist's perspective? What about the event that all the perspectives are talking about, Matthew's and Luke's? The other day, we're watching TV with, uh, with Levi. And I am a little bit sleepy, but I'm, but I'm watching. I'm watching the TV. And actually, I wasn't wearing my glasses. And he, he looks over at me, and I see him looking at me. And I'm just. And he reaches over with his hand and, and pulls my eyelids open. And he was like, Apa, abre tus ojos. He was like, open your eyes. And I'm like, Levi, they are open. This is how they are. And he was like, look at the TV. Because, you know, Levi has big, big eyes. <laughs> we can only see what we can see. Right? We, what, our perspective, our perspective is limited by what 
we can see, and I don't just mean our horizon, right? I mean what we can see. And at the moment, John the Baptist can't see anything. At the moment, he's in a dungeon. At the moment, all is darkness. And the skin uh, on, his, uh, on his hands are starting to tear because of the weight of the chains. And he's hungry and there's rats around him and it smells like earth and, and water and, and everything else that is terrible. And this is, this is his condition, his circumstance. I mean, what would you do? What would you say? What would you feel? I mean, what is faith then? In that condition, in that circumstance. But notice this. John the Baptist is not content with what his disciples have seen and heard. John the Baptist isn't content with what everybody else is talking about, maybe in the other prison cells and what other people are saying about what, what Jesus is doing in the towns, in the, in, in the regions. John the Baptist takes it to Jesus. Uh, um, funny story. <laughs> A couple, year, a couple years ago, um, I'm up at PSR with uh, several other pastors. Philip, Philip was there too, um, meeting with a, with a journey. And, and I took my, my skateboard, right? And I had this brilliant idea that I was going to skateboard down from the hotel. If you've ever been to PSR, you know there's a, there's a big hill. And I just, uh, I just had been planning for that, you know? We packed for, for the family, for the kids, but I, I packed my skateboard because I was going to skateboard down that, that hill. Um, and sure enough, I got the opportunity. I jumped on my skateboard, right? And I started, I started going. Now, I had planned for those of you who skate to, to start breaking, you know? Um, but I just was so in the moment that I forgot to break early enough. And uh, I, I, I sort of tried to, but I, I couldn't, right? Cause, and I lost my balance and I got back on. And now I'm going, I don't know how fast I'm going, but, uh, but I know that if I put my, my, my foot down, like it's, you know, I'm gonna, gonna eat the, gra the gravel, but I, I, I think, okay, I'm just going to stay on the skateboard. I'm just going to stay. I'm going to try to ride this out. But the thing is that I, I just go so fast, right? I don't know how fast I was going that at this point, and it's embarrassing, but I was doing this, you know, like I just, I, I was trying to maintain my balance and I could see other cars driving up the hill and I'm like, oh God, I'm going to fall right in front of the cars. And sure enough, I flew off the, sca the skateboard at some, at some point. Uh, and I just remember the pain, you know, I, I got right back up and I, I tried to be strong. I, 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 my skateboard kept going. I had to go, go for my skateboard, right? 
Um, and you do this thing, right? We have this pride that's, that your ego gets hurt. And as the cars are driving by, I'm just like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm, good. I'm all right. <laughs> but I get, I get, I finally, I get to the skateboard. I get back on, I get back on and I, I don't even try to, to skate up the hill. You know, I did skate a little bit, but uh, just walk. I just, I just walk up, I walk up the hill. Nietzsche said that that this is the formula to greatness suffering you have to suffer to become great look at John the, at John the Baptist his lo, the loneliness in the desert his clothes he's, he's got no style no swag he, he's, he's eating what is it locusts and he's, he's lonely Know, solitude his whole ministry is is one of suffering he has to suffer to tell the truth to tell it like it is it, it's even difficult to point others to Jesus but he's willing to suffer he tells Herod the truth and so there he is in the prison and most scholars agree he's he he knows that he's going to be executed. And we know the story. But in none of the perspectives do, do we get what happens right before he's executed. And I want to think that he remembers these words. And this is the word for us. God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Lord, thank you for, for this event, for this story. And you know, our, our, our state, our condition, our suffering, our, what we're going through. If we have struggles, if, if we have doubts, if it's depression or anxiety, etc., you know it. God, and I ask that in this moment, in Jesus, in Jesus' words, you would bless us. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there. On a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment, it makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.